conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gimnig. Each episode, we start with a question and we see where it takes us. This week's question is, who should we blame? Blame is such a common thing in our culture and um, and even built into our justice system in all kinds of places. It's a very normal thing and, and can be cathartic. But I'm gonna suggest that if we're asking ourselves who should we blame, the first thing I wanna ask ourselves is, is it useful to blame anyone? Should we be looking for blame? And generally speaking, the answer to that is probably not. Um, if figuring out who to blame will result in that person being fired or removed from the project, like if it really is, this is a problem that all came from one person's predictably bad behavior. And by figuring out where that came from, we can eliminate the problem. Maybe it's useful. But in general, that's not what we're going to do. And if that's, if that's not one of our options, if that's not something we're seriously considering, probably knowing whose fault something was is not only not useful, but even detrimental to what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, because I like words, uh, will sometimes uh, differentiate between uh, culpability, right? Which is where someone has done something that is worthy of repercussions, right? That they uh, they knew not to do it. They were negligent. They were, you know, there, there is, there, there really should be some consequences like they're fired, they're removed from the project um, for whatever reason. Like I will sometimes use that word to distinguish from blame. Uh, blame is usually more about our own personal feelings towards a person, a group of people. Uh, it's about the finger pointing in, and it's about a, um, often about a, a denial of responsibility on our own part. It's actually usually a reaction to a feeling of powerlessness. Like we feel like we couldn't have done anything about this. Therefore, we we need and powerlessness is a, is, is a, a thing that human beings don't really like. Um, and so usually blame is a coping mechanism for dealing with with powerlessness. And so we begin by saying, um, you know, that that it's somebody else's fault. Of course, the challenge with that, right, is that um, particularly in complex situations, there's rarely a single point of failure. There's rarely one thing that you can point to uh, and say that this is where the fault lies. Um, but that doesn't stop our human brains from doing it. And so it is often, as you say, a somewhat cathartic reaction um, uh, to our to our feelings of powerlessness in a situation where things did not go as we hoped that they would. So I think when we start to feel powerless, that is our first sort of alarm. I'm feeling powerless. I'm very likely now to do something that's not in my own best interest or not in the interest of the team because we don't like it. Powerless there's another word for powerless, which is vulnerable, also unsafe, also threatened, um, out of control. These all sort of occupy the same emotional space, at least for me. And so if we can say, okay, that's where my brain is going. What's the story I'm telling myself that has me there? And are there other stories I might choose? So instead of saying, 
it's all Paul's fault. There's nothing I could have done about it. You know, we set that meeting and he didn't show up for it. And I don't know what his problem is. I can say, you know, I remember now we set that meeting at a time that was going to be tricky for him. And I could have, you know, when he didn't show up, I could have sent him a text. I could have, like, these are the things I could do that's shifting from blame and powerlessness to problem identification. Okay, something went not the way we wanted. How can we move forward in a way that's productive for all of us? And and being open to, one of the things about blame is it says only one person can solve the problem. The only solution is for somebody to behave differently than they did last time. And the trouble is, there's probably a reason they behaved the way they behaved last time. And so if the only possible solution is for them to behave differently, yeah, your odds of success are not so good because they that those same circumstances will happen. I was talking to somebody recently was frustrated because somebody, you know, reset a thermostat to hold the air conditioning on and they didn't, you know, they didn't reset it back to the program before they left the room, which meant that it wasn't a good temperature later. He said, yeah, and this, this keeps happening. You know, I've talked to them about it, but they keep doing the same thing. And I said, okay, but if they keep doing the same thing, asking or expecting them to change might not be the solution to your problem. You know, is there a way to, you know, put a sign on the door that would remind them or, you know, when somebody goes through the building to turn off the lights, can we make it part of their routine to check the thermostat or can we buy a thermostat that automatically resets like there's just lots of ways to look at and if you're stuck on the blame piece that this is a problem because that person behaves badly. Then you only got one possible solution and it's the one that's probably least likely to work. Mm hmm. One of the things that's ironic about blame is that if it, it's a react, reaction to powerlessness, but it also gives away our power. But when I blame you for something, it means that I have abdicated any responsibility for creating a different result in the future. I have now given up my power, my agency, my authority to do anything, because now it's all on you. Um, and you are now the only one who could possibly be, cause there to be a different thing in the future. And so it's very strange um, that the very thing we're trying to avoid is the thing we perpetuate by uh, by engaging in blaming. Uh, but and I think that where that points to is um, well, there's 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 two things that I get into here. One is. Um, I really like to differentiate between the um, the moral and the pragmatic, right? I may harbor all kinds of judgments about uh, you as a person for what you have done. Uh, I might feel like you should have done this thing differently. I can be very judgmental about that. I could be very self-righteous about that. Um, and, and, and there may, like, we absolutely can talk about how the moral dimensions of people's actions do, do matter. Um, and that we we can have those judgments and we can have that conversation, but rarely does the conversation about the moral aspect of it lead to anything useful. And so the pragmatic aspect is for me is really about I might hold you entirely at fault for this thing that happened, but if I want to get a different result, I can't stop there. If I want to get a different result, I have to look at things like the environment, at my own actions, at other things. Um, if I really want there to be something different next time, I can't stop with blaming. I can acknowledge that I'm holding it, 
I, I can blame you for a thing and then be able to set it aside and go, okay, so what influences that behavior? What are the things that are going on? Where are my actual levers for action? Because for me, um, there's a, uh, anytime that I want to complain about something, not being the way, the way that I want it to be, that's kind of a cue for me to go, well, how do I actually want it to be? What did I want it to turn out like? And then what can I do to actually help it turn out more like that in the future? Which is such a different frame. And I just want to point out how weird this thing we're saying is. I mean, I, when I taught third grade, it was just absolutely routine. You know, some kid came up to me and said, you know, to, to their teacher, Sally did this thing to me. And then you call Sally over and you find out what Sally's story was and the teacher declares who's to blame and you know okay now Sally say you're sorry and Sally says she's sorry and maybe has to sit in time out or you know who knows what right but. But we train our kids early actually in this stuff and what it's bypassing is the relationship work. And I've, mm -hmm. I've had some really fun experiences where I got to work with kids in these kinds of situations where they're in conflict and they come looking for the adult judge and jury. And instead, I was able to just encourage them to think through what is it that they're looking for? What is it that they're needing and talk to each other? And I, I use the Imago dialogue as a structure for that, um, but really helping them you know, hear from each other, what do they each need? And most of the time it's, they, they needed to be understood. They needed to feel valued. They needed to feel heard. And once that's happened, they go off and play again because that's actually what they wanted. What they both want is to go off and play again. And kids do that actually pretty easily. Adults, not so much. We get stuck in that finger pointing place. And, and then, very often my clients, if they're hiring me to work with conflict, what they're really hiring me for is to get their problem person to change their behavior. And I wish I had a magic wand for that. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting how it shows up um, in, uh, in different language in different places. So one of the things that I see a lot in, um, particularly in a lot of the online forums that I'm in around project work and software development and things like that, is that someone will ask the question, well, whose responsibility is it to blah, 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 right? And they're looking for this kind of abstracted answer of like, oh yeah, the testers should do this or the project manager should do this or the, you know, and, and, and I can, I can already sense like they're wondering who they should blame when this doesn't happen. Um, and uh, the, an unhelpful response that I often give is, well, when you talked with them about it, what did you agree to? And, and that's the relational piece, like that we are so wired to, or, or trained in a lot of ways, enculturated to um to not have to engage in the relational piece um that blame is one of those things that allows us to not have have a relationship and to feel that it's all okay right it, it's a and and it's it's it shows up in really interesting ways um where it seems like it can be useful because they're absolutely are things where we do want to expect from other people 
that they're going to do certain things. Um, and that they, and, and because that mutual set of expectations is one of the things that allows us to work together in groups. And I think what we need to work on then is when those expectations are not met, either because they were not well communicated, because they were implicit, or just because things happened like that we don't know about, right? We actually all agreed, we all understood, we all had these expectations and they didn't get met. Blaming is rarely a useful response to that situation. And I think that's what we're really talking about here is when things that we, um, that we didn't want to have happen did happen, how can we respond more usefully than just pointing fingers? So this seems like the moment to distinguish between blame and feedback. There are a number of previous episodes where we've really encouraged you to give feedback, and I can just hear an, an audience member saying, but you told me to give feedback. <laughs> and now you're saying don't blame. And I think the big difference is that distinction that you made about sort of morality and judgment. If you're in that morality judgment place, you're probably in what I would call blame. You're probably in a frame that's not useful, not productive, not likely to change anything. If you're in the space that's more pragmatic of, hey, Paul, I, I don't know if you know this, but this is the impact you had on me. Um, and it's not laced with that blame and judgment, and it's just a sharing of information. This is a thing you did that didn't work for me. Or, you know, we're in this situation, and I think we might have gotten there because of this thing that you did that, you know, maybe you couldn't see that it was going to do that, or maybe somebody asked you to, we don't know, but we're just trying to trace. Like, that's the feedback space that we do want to do and do safely. And I think you absolutely nailed it. It's that when the feedback is laced with morality and judgment, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And I'll even take a step back further there. Uh, before I would give somebody feedback about something like that, I'd want to know what they think about the situation. Because they may not need the feedback. They may already have the information. They may know exactly what the impact of their actions were, and they may regret it and feel horrible about it. And if so, I don't need to give them feedback. So I actually, in that case, want to lead with curiosity, uh, right? And 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 create an opening again where I'm where I can be genuinely curious about. I wonder what they think about this situation. Only if I discover a discrepancy, a substantial discrepancy with how we perceive the situation, then would I go to that place of, okay, so actually I want to share some information with you about this um, so that we can explore it together. Uh, but I, it, yeah, in those situations, I wouldn't even start with feedback. I'd start with, what do they think? Don't sell past the close. <laughs> I think that totally makes sense. Um, and I want to go one more place with this, which is, I think there are some times when, whether you call it blame or even if it's feedback, that sort of going back over old territory isn't always useful. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm part of a group right now that's in a case where just because of the sort of work they're doing, um, mistakes that were made by people who aren't here anymore and in situations that the group is never going to be in again, there is no replication possible of these sort of mistakes and problems. And, and as they're getting caught in them and feeling powerless and being frustrated, there's beginning to be some finger pointing and that's not doing good things, which is part of how I've gotten involved. But, um, but the point here being that there's a moment to say, 
yeah, there's some stuff we don't like and it's lousy and we're paying a price for it and we don't like it. And also that's just where we are because as it turns out, we, we can't undo it now and no amount of talking about it is gonna change it. And the circumstances, there, there's nothing to learn from that's going to carry forward into where we're going next. So those are kind of the questions like, is there actually a thing we can learn from this? Because, you know, if it's a thing that we used to do that we'd ever do anymore anyway, you know, very often the thing to do is say, gulp, uncomfortable, yuck, we're all in this. Okay, now we're all in this. And how do we all work together to figure out what's next? And, mm -hmm. and just skip that whole identifying how it happened piece altogether. Yeah because it's only useful when that actually influences what we're going to do in the present to move forwards towards the future we want. We cannot change the past. There are times when it is useful for us to understand what happened so that it can affect our behavior now so that we can move towards what we want. But dwelling on it and staying stuck in it doesn't help us move towards where we want to be. So looking at the question of blame, we're starting with ask ourselves if there's actually use for blame and there may be use for culpability but as soon as we're headed into the space of morality and judgment um, other than its cathartic value for us privately it's probably not actually going to help us get what we want within a group it's very unusual that identifying this is the person whose fault it is results in their behavior changing um, and that really what we want to do is get curious about what's our own agency in all of this? Because when we blame, we give away our agency and we do that out of a sense of powerlessness that actually makes us more powerless. So if we can avoid that sort of circular trap and instead get curious, possibly explore things with the other person if that's relevant, explore things in the group, be willing to be a little bit vulnerable. I probably had a piece of this too. How, how do I fit into all of that? Um, really watch our morals and judgment piece if we're if we're coming from a place of morality and judgment that's a pretty strong hint that we're headed in a direction that's not going to support our relationships well um, and to the extent that we are in a pragmatic space of trying to figure out how do we make this better um, do that if and when that exercise will actually potentially make things better um, but don't get caught up in everything is worth digging back through it's always helpful to understand our history it is sometimes helpful to understand our history if it directs us towards better decisions going forward and sometimes we just it's time to let go and move on well that's going to do it for us today until next time i'm paul tevis and i'm karen gimnig and this has been employing differences <laughs>